So to back up again what I said in the introduction, and particularly for those who haven't uh, been here last week or who are visiting today at St Mark's this year, we're looking together at the Gospel of Luke, and that's our reading and our introduction today. As I mentioned in our first sermon on Luke last week, uh, the point in, for me in doing this is that hopefully we can learn together as a community here at St Mark's more deeply who Jesus really was. What, did he, what he did, what he taught, so that our faith can be characterised more by wholeness in our beliefs and our actions. And so I think that the Bible Project video that we had was an excellent introduction to our reading today and to the Gospel of Luke leading up to this reading, where we continue the section on John the Baptist and his relationship to Jesus, which we've just heard. So the big question we saw that John raised for us last time one of the big themes of the Gospel of Luke is this big question, what is the Gospel? And this was the theme of our sermon last week. And we saw the beginning of the answer to that. This Gospel that Luke is talking about in the Gospel of Luke is an announcement of the coming of the kingdom of God into the world through Jesus, bringing salvation for the world with him. The Gospel, we heard, is a big message. There's lots of different areas for us to unpack as we look at this book. So that was our big question last week. The question for today, I think, is one that John would have considered equally important, and Luke does too, which is the question, who is the Messiah? So in verse 15, as we start this reading, we hear that a lot of people who came to be baptised John, by John were interested in this question. It says, the people were waiting expectantly and were all wondering in their hearts if John might possibly be the Messiah. So for them, there was this big burning question, who is the Messiah? It's a matter of great significance and something they were very keen to understand. And John answers that, and we'll look at that in a moment. But I think, if I'm right, here at Emerald in 2022, we might need to take a bit of a step back first. Rather than wondering who the Messiah is, we might ask ourselves occasionally, what is the Messiah? You know, what does this mean? What does this word mean? Why is it so important in the Gospel of Luke and the other Gospels? That's a good question. So let's think about that. So to understand what the Messiah is, we can go back to the Old Testament. The word Messiah is a Hebrew word. It means an anointed one. In the ancient world, anointing someone with oil or pouring it over them was a symbol of God's divine power and authority coming on them. And it was given to someone like a king or a priest. And the religion of ancient Israel was centred very much around this experience of those who were especially anointed by God for tasks of leadership. So the king, of course, but also the priests and the prophets who gave words to the people from the Lord. All of them were anointed. And over time, though, the writers of the Bible, they gained more insight about how God was working in the midst of their people, particularly through things like the kingship of King David, through the words of a prophet like Isaiah, and the visions that someone like Daniel had of God's plans for the future. And they believed that God's plans were heading towards a special anointed person. The embodiment and fulfilment of all the kings and all the prophets and all the priests that they'd ever had. Someone who was completely filled with God's spirit, who would bring about the kingdom of God and a new age into the world. So this is the Messiah. This is the hope that they had at this time that Luke is writing about. And so when they ask who is the Messiah and whether it's John the Baptist, they're asking a very important question. Is there hope for God's work in the world going to be fulfilled now? And so John sets them straight about what the Messiah will do when he comes and how he will be different and even greater than John himself. 
And the contrast that John makes between himself and the Messiah, which we'll see is Jesus, spoiler, um, it's made on the basis of the kind of baptism that they're going to bring to their people. So John, as we know, as we saw last week in particular, gave a baptism with water and it was a sign for repentance and forgiveness of sins for the people to prepare their hearts to receive God. The Messiah, however, he says, is going to baptise people in a different way. He's going to baptise them, as we heard, with the Holy Spirit and fire. Now, I wonder if I asked you which one you would prefer, to be immersed in water or to be immersed in fire. I'll give you time to think about that. Um, Which would you choose? Well, regardless of how scary that sounds, John considers the baptism with the Holy Spirit and fire to be a greater and more significant spiritual event than his baptism with water. And that he does this for the people will be the sign that the Messiah has come, the true Messiah. And so this story is followed immediately then, as we saw, by the conclusion, really, of John's part in the Gospel of Luke and the transition to the story of Jesus, beginning his ministry in adult, as an adult when he was 30 years old. John was arrested by Herod. We saw Herod in the um, video displayed as the sort of avatar of Roman power. And we know later that he executed uh, John. But before this, we see John initiating the ministry of Jesus at Jesus' baptism. And so we read about what happened then. It said, when all the people were being baptised, Jesus was baptised too. And as he was praying, heaven was opened and the Holy Spirit descended on him in bodily form like a dove. And a voice came from heaven, you are my son, whom I love. With you, I am well pleased. So obviously, based on what John has said, Jesus is the answer to the question, who is the Messiah, that the people of Israel at the time had. And John is pointing to him. So it's natural then that the gospel moves from considering John to considering Jesus from then on. So that's what happened in that story that we read. But I want us to think, of course, what does it mean? So for us today, I think there are two questions that come from these stories that I think will bring the meaning of this one down to where we are today, hopefully. So the first question I would like us to think about is what did it actually mean for Jesus to be the Messiah? What does that mean for us? The second question is, what is the baptism with the Holy Spirit and with fire? These questions are actually linked together, I think. Now, this is pretty deep stuff today. Hopefully, I'll be able to guide us through it. If you want to bow me up afterwards and have a chat, that's fine. We can keep the discussion going. When we say Jesus is the Messiah, what does that mean? Incidentally, the word Christ, which we use, um, is just a Greek version of the Hebrew word Messiah. It means the same thing. So when you say Jesus Christ, it's the same as saying Jesus the Messiah. Now, I briefly talked about the Messiah before, but it's helpful for us to understand that this is not ultimately, it's not just an obscure sort of ancient religious idea that's no relevance for us today, this uh, promised person. Because the idea of the Messiah comes really from the heart of what the Bible and what Judaism and Christianity are actually about. At the heart of our faith is the belief that this world has been made as a place for the presence of God to live in. This world has been made as a place for God to live in. And that's the meaning of the creation story in Genesis. It's the meaning behind the laws in the temple in the Old Testament. We believe that this world we live in, this creation, is a dwelling place for God's spirit. And when creation is complete, there will be no difference between earth and heaven where God is. It will be together forever. And so according to the Old Testament, the pinnacle of that process of God living in this world that he's made is the creation of human beings that have been made in his image. So we reflect the personal presence of God to the world. 
That's our calling. So it is natural then how significant it was for the people of Israel to talk about anointing and to be concerned with anointed ones. These kings and the priests and the prophets, they're living symbols of the reality that God means for us all. He wants to live within us, to live in our spirit, his spirit in the world, to anoint us all. That is his purpose. And so all these anointed ones throughout history give the hope that one day the fulfillment of God's plans will come. There will be someone who is completely filled with his spirit, this anointed one, which is what we plan, and through him all of us will be. And so for Jesus to be the Messiah, what we're saying is there's now this complete convergence in him between God and creation. This particular person, this human being, is what it's all about. It shows us what it's all about. So that's the fulfilment of the Old Testament faith. That's why it's so important who the Messiah is. There's a section after our reading today which I kindly did not make Georgie read. If you read verses 23 to 38, uh, Luke lays out the genealogy of Jesus. And of course, there's a lot of difficult names in that passage. And so he traces back Jesus' ancestry from his family to the very beginning, from Adam through all the Old Testament patriarchs like Abraham and Jacob and through the kings like David and down to Joseph, the husband of Mary. Now, Luke knows from the Christmas story that Joseph is not the biological father of Jesus. So he says in verse 23, he was the son, so it was thought, of Joseph, son of Heli, etc. Now, we might be tempted to contrast that genealogy and say, well, if it's not his real family, why is it important? And we contrast that with what happens at his baptism, where the voice from heaven says, this is my son whom I love. I'm well pleased with him. He is God's son, not Joseph's son. But in the end, if you actually read it, it's not really a difference. Because if you read the genealogy of Joseph through to the end in verse 38, it doesn't end with Adam. The genealogy ends with God. It says, son of Adam, the son of God. The genealogy of Jesus ends back with God either way, whether you directly look at Mary and her experience or through the course of history, of human history through Joseph. The ultimate nature, is saying, of the human race is that we are children of God. And so what Jesus is doing is bringing that reality to fulfilment within our history. That's, that's what it means to be the Messiah. He is the Son of God. He does come from God, but not out of nowhere. He is fulfilling the destiny of human beings as children and images of God in this world. That's what the Old Testament is here for, to tell us that. And so that is why he is the Messiah. That's what it means. So having thought about that, I think we're ready to ask the second question. What is then this baptism with the Holy Spirit and with fire that he's going to bring? I want to remind you of what John the Baptist said here in verses 16 to 17. I baptize you with water, but one who is more powerful than I will come, the straps of whose sandals I am not worthy to untie. He will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and fire. His winnowing fork is in his hand to clear the threshing floor and to gather the wheat into his barn, but he will burn up the chaff with unquenchable fire. Now, most of us here in the church are probably familiar with a version of water baptism, either because we've seen children baptised or adults who were immersed uh, when they were, uh, come to, came to faith. So we'll get the font out here or we'll put the tank down at the front there and we do that baptism. What we might miss when we do that particular ceremony is the multiple levels of meaning that are involved in it. We try to bring it out when we do that. Because water baptism for Christians is not the same thing as John's baptism that he was giving to people when they came to him, his baptism with water. I think the actual analogy with John's baptism 
for us in our worship experience today is when we confess our sins together and receive forgiveness. But Christian baptism in the name of Jesus is a symbol of a deeper reality than that. It symbolises we are identified with Jesus the Messiah, his life, his death, his resurrection, and his filling with the Holy Spirit and the presence of God. It's about our connection and our union with Jesus the Messiah, the Christ. And so there's something that the baptism of Jesus gives that the washing of John couldn't give the people. It's a messianic baptism. And this comes up again, actually, in Luke's second book in the New Testament, the book of Acts. So if we go to read, I'll read to you from Acts chapter 19, verses 1 to 6. So it's speaking about the Apostle Paul on one of his missionary journeys. It says, while Apollos was at Corinth, Paul took the road through the interior and arrived at Ephesus. There he found some disciples and asked them, did you receive the Holy Spirit when you believed? They answered, no, we haven't even heard that there is a Holy Spirit. So Paul asked, then what baptism did you receive? John's baptism, they replied. Paul said, John's baptism was a baptism of repentance. He told the people to believe in the one coming after him, that is, in Jesus. On hearing this, they were baptised in the name of the Lord Jesus. When Paul placed his hands on them, the Holy Spirit came on them, and they spoke in tongues and prophesied. So you can see there is something different and something extra. So what is this baptism with the Holy Spirit and with fire? I think fundamentally what it's saying is the reality that when we join with this Messiah, with Jesus, in a real spiritual sense, we activate in our lives the reality of God the Holy Spirit living in us as he did within Jesus himself. We take up our destiny to be the children of God and his images in the world. So Jesus was the Son of God, and as we read in that passage, the Spirit of God descended on him like a dove, as they could see. And we also are the same. We are the sons and daughters of God and the spirit rests on us and lives in us through Jesus' baptism. We are part of God's fulfilment of his plans for creation. And so that's the reality that Jesus the Messiah brings us in um, his baptism. Now John says this is a baptism with the spirit and with fire. Now the fire bit, um, he says the, the, uh, the Messiah is going to separate out the wheat from the chaff. You know, the chaff is the, the, the rubbish stuff you don't need. You're going to burn that with unquenchable fire. Um, I think that the best way of understanding that is to think about what does it happen and what is the effect on us in the world when the Holy Spirit comes and is present among us and in us. So when John baptises people, he's washing them in water. It's, it's, it's a surface thing. They want to turn away from sin. It's about what's happening on their outside. I think the, but I think the baptism of the Spirit, this fire, means God intends not just to wash the surface of our lives, not just to change our ideas about ourselves, but to actually pass a kind of cleansing fire of the Spirit through us and through the whole world so that we're genuinely and completely changed from the inside out. That's what fire does. It changes things and it burns out the things that shouldn't be there. Now, that's a fearsome idea, particularly if we accept that, if we don't accept that we need to change, if we haven't repented or we won't repent, and then we'll feel and seem that God is going to burn us up completely. What will be left? But of course, his goal is to really, real goal is to fill us with his spirit, to make us really his children. This is, I think, the baptism with the Holy Spirit and fire. So what is it then? What is it like to receive this baptism? 
I know a lot of people have different ideas about this, and I know many of our members here at St Mark's have had experiences of this and different beliefs and understanding of what's happened to you in your life as a Christian. We often go to places like the story of the day of Pentecost in Acts chapter 2 to describe what it means to be baptised by the Holy Spirit. And that's a great place to go. But um, I think that today I'd like us to develop the same mental attitude towards the work of the Holy Spirit that we talked about with regards to the gospel last week. So we saw the gospel is not a simple thing. It's not a one thing. It's a many-faceted reality. It's a big deal. It covers every aspect of our world, every aspect of our life in relation to God. In the same way, I think the baptism of the Holy Spirit is not one thing. It's a wide-ranging, complete change in our experience of what it means to be human being and to live out um, our, our destiny in the world. So as we go through Luke, there will be, I think, many areas that illustrate what Jesus brought to people, this baptism. But I, just, I do want to provide you some markers today. What does the baptism of the Holy Spirit look like in our life as a follower of Jesus? So... Here are some of the signs, I think, of this baptism. So firstly, I think if this is happening, what we might see as we move into our life as children of God is that we have a heart that's actually more open to God. We have a desire to experience the presence of God in our life more and more. We want to draw closer to him. We recognise he is our father. Secondly, we might become more aware of the need we have to grow and to change. What do we need to let go of? What do we need to repent of? The desire to, to become more and different and the spirit will change us. We also might see the fruits of the spirit growing in our life. So the character of God, you might read in Galatians chapter 5, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness and self-control. That's a sign of the baptism of the Holy Spirit. We might experience the gifts of the spirit. We talked about that quite a lot last year. These abilities and opportunities for God's power to work through us and in us. And I think we'll become more sensitive to the kingdom of God at work in the world. We want to be part of it because it's part of us. Having a heart for justice, for reconciliation, for peace, serving other people who need healing and help. And I think that the example of that desire at work today was seen in the people who joined me before, the work of ECHO in our community. That's part of the work of the Spirit. So I think you can see that the baptism of the Holy Spirit and fire is a complete change of our life. It's a transformation. It is the gospel of Jesus that is applied to every single one of us. And I think that's what it means for Jesus to be the Messiah, to be the Son of God for us today. This is what it means to receive his baptism. So as I'm finishing my reflections today, I'd like us to spend some time now in prayer or a prayerful attitude. We're going to sing. Um, asking that Jesus would bring out for us here today his baptism with the Holy Spirit again in a fresh way. This is not something that I can make happen or any of us can make happen. It's a gift that God brings us through Jesus. He is the one who, who gives the Spirit to us. Um, and if we've committed our faith to him, it's a reality in our lives, whether or not it's hidden from time to time. So I want to ask us, I want us to ask Jesus to bring that to the surface again and to empower us to be God's children in his world today. So I'm going to say a prayer, then we're going to sing together a song, Holy Spirit, asking him to be working in our midst. So let's just, um, I'd like you to maybe close your eyes or just reflect quietly for a moment, then we'll pray and sing together. Lord Jesus, we thank you for the baptism that you bring with the Holy Spirit, 
and with fire. We ask that you would immerse us again in the fire of your presence and that the Spirit would move through our lives, healing, transforming and empowering us. Lift our eyes to the glorious destiny that we have in you as the children of God our Father. Lord, turn our eyes towards the, and our hearts towards the world that you love. So in your name we ask this today. Amen. <clears throat>